What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now entering the Second Trick Comics Podcast, starring Mark Clare and Renzo Welcome back to the one, the only Second Print Comics, brought to you by our friends at Box and Sons Coffee. You know... A lot of you, your wives talk to me, not in the way that you think, but I get the messages. Hey, you know, my husband likes listening to your show in the morning. I just wish, you know, he could have a little extra pick me up. So that way, while he's listening to you and trying to multitask with the kids and everything else and the dog, you know, he could uh, be a little bit more alert. And they would never, ever, ever say he should not listen to the show while doing that. No, no, no. These are supportive, good wives. Instead... Ladies, I've got a solution for you. Hook up your man. Hook up yourself with some Fox and Sons coffee. Brazilian honey prep, Tanzania pea berry, Fox Den blend, uh, electric boogaloo. So many different options. And, and people have been asking, is this the type of coffee that you got to have with a lot of milk, a lot of creamer, again, a flavor? Is it just that regular stuff that you're seeing pop up online whenever you see 20 different companies selling the same type of bean? No, because the beans are sourced. Um, directly from a guy who knows his stuff. And I can tell you as a former creamer fiend whose coffee was more like coffee-flavored milk for many years, I don't need much to get this going. So we're going to go ahead and hook you up because I'm a man of the people. Second Print Pod is the code you use at checkout to save 15% off or more of orders of $25 plus. So go ahead and check out foxandsons.com. That's F-O-X-S-N-S-O-N-S foxandsons.com use code sp- a second print pod at checkout to save 15% off or more Caleb Caleb Franz is joining us Caleb how do you like your coffee I drink my coffee straight black so you're one of those people I am yeah very bitter man uh, who likes his coffee as as bitter as I am I never drank coffee black until I started drinking Fox and Sons and that's a legit statement so each one, like I, I like the electric boogaloo because that's a really that's a really fine dark roast. It doesn't have like this weird like McDonald's aftertaste that a lot of people have. Um, you know, the Brazil honey prep is my favorite. It's a little bit sweeter. It's more in the middle of that. And then their Fox Den blend. I've been giving those out to people because Stephen hooked me up with some bags. So yeah, I think I'm at the point now where it's like I can drink coffee without anything added to it, and I like it. It's actually a more enjoyable experience. I feel the testosterone flowing through my body. You know, it's like the basic white bitch in me is just like, flee. It's like, you know, leaving me. They should do a pumpkin spice one, I swear. That's when all the wives reaching out to me will be like, yeah, yeah, sir. So speaking of a basic white woman, Caleb, I'm not watching the Marvels. I think this will make the first MCU movie that I will not go see in theaters. 
I can't well, do it. I uh, I must say it's it's surprising that I have uh, beat you to not watching an MCU film uh, in theaters uh, because yeah. you know we we you know, both go back and forth on on this all the time. Like I I have always loved the MCU. I uh, I still think the Infinity Saga is one of the greatest achievements in cinema history just because of, of what they were able to actually do. Um, but after I, I never I never went to go see uh, Thor, Love and Thunder. And then the first uh, the first film that I first MCU film that I watched after that, I think was Guardians 3. So uh, that's a good year substantial, and a half. Yeah, a substantial break uh, in between because I I don't want to go see things that aren't actual, you know, quality films that I've expected from the MCU. And it's kind of depressing because before uh, before the, the end of the Infinity Saga, I would always always have the utmost confidence that even if it's not necessarily my style, I knew I would enjoy myself and I knew that, you know, I would have a good time. And in, in the infinity saga, I think the bottom of the barrel for me was like Iron Man two, not by any stretch of the imagination. And that movie hasn't film. aged that badly. Yeah, it's, it's fine. It's just, it's just not it's adequate. It's not up to the quality as the rest of them, but it's, it's not, at all a bad film it's it's biggest sin is that it serves basically as filler in between uh or, or set up for for the avengers rather than an actual iron man film everything almost everything i won't say everything because there are some some highlights guardians 3 being one of them but most properties uh since the end of the infinity saga have left me thoroughly underwhelmed at best uh and that is Unfortunate, but it is uh, it is something that I, I think there's some pretty obvious like I, I do think that the the reason why we got here is, is pretty obvious um, as opposed to like what they've they're not making movies in the same way that they made the Infinity Saga. Um, so. So a couple weeks ago, I went ahead and did a solo episode, which was 10 ways to fix DC comics. I was just talking publishing. I was just doing that. And we came up with the idea of how about we, how about we flip the script a little bit? Let's think of some ways that if we could go ahead and get our, our own like freaking infinity gauntlet, if we could get Iger, those fingers and <laughs> yeah, just, just do everything uh, that we possibly could how could we repair the MCU? Now, this has been a conversation that people have had passively in the Second Print Comics fan zone, our private Patreon group, uh, which I'll go ahead and give a plug for later at the end of the day because we've got some big news at the end of the episode. So go ahead and don't just fast forward there. But uh, Second Print Comics fan zone, people have been saying, you know, if we just went back and fixed this, if we took out this character, if we reemphasized this story, if we omitted this year's worth of content, maybe it could be good. And, and I've been thinking about the last couple of days and I can't, I, I keep coming back to maybe they should have just stopped. Maybe they should have just stopped. I can't think of anything between now, well, between 2019 and now, albeit both Spider-Man films, because obviously, and Guardians 3, there is no significant moment, no anything that I can't think, I probably didn't need this. So we'll go ahead and just start with this. Caleb, as you look at the MCU... And maybe this will just be the starting question. Do you make changes with the plot, the story, the characters, or do you make changes with the writers, the studios, the actors? Where where does it where does it kind of go? Because I I feel like I can't blame the products. I, I've got to go back to the source of it, which is these people don't even know freaking source material. Yeah, after I, I I think um the rise of, of the MCU was such an anomaly uh in, in the history of cinema uh in, in the sense that 
you know, I, I see some people go back and say, well, these movies were, you know, they, they were all, they were never that good. And, you know, the MCU's finally just like, you know, audiences are finally catching up to it. That's bogus. Uh, the MCU was fantastic uh, up until about 2019, 2020. Um, and it, if you go back and re and rewatch it, like those old movies are, <laughs> they still hold up really, really well. Um, for the most part. Um, I, I think it comes down to the fact that during the infinity saga, the writers were fans themselves and they were making movies for the fans. The, the, the kind of like high quality, high production value films that, we as kids always wanted to watch when we were watching, you know, the Saturday morning cartoons and, and we would sit around at the lunch table at school and say, man, wouldn't this be so cool to see these things in live action? Like that, that's, that's basically what, what the MCU was. Um, after they saw how profitable that was, uh, and of course the, the Fox still kind of threw a whole wrench into it uh, as well. Um, they started making movies for the normies instead of for the fans. And the normies were going to, you know, thoroughly enjoy this because they were high quality films. But whenever they started doing that, they started almost kind of, you know, snubbing their nose at the fans uh, to, to a degree saying like, oh, you people are impossible to please. And you people, you know, same, same thing that, that Star Wars went through. I, I think <laughs> I think it's actually a very comparable uh, analogy to say that we are in the sequel trilogy era of the MCU uh, after after I think the multiverse saga is the sequel trilogy for MCU fan, fans. I, I think that's a very, very apt <laughs> observation. And the the basics uh, of the MCU and the Infinity Saga was that it wasn't the crossovers, even though that was awesome. It wasn't, you know, uh, the interconnectivity of everything and the callbacks and the references. For some reason, the writers got it in their heads that that's what fans like. And that's not what fans like. <laughs> fans enjoy, I mean, some of the best MCU films in, in the in the Infinity Saga, albeit like, you know, Infinity War and, and Civil War, those are some of my favorite films, and those are very crossover heavy with a lot of interactions between uh, cross-franchise characters and everything like that. But, you know, some of the other ones, like uh, Winter Soldier or, I mean, you know, even the first Iron Man, those are those are some of my favorite films. And it has next to, I mean, especially compared to today, next to no crossover, you know, appeal or anything like that. Maybe a few references here and there, but nothing, nothing to what the writers think that the audiences want. Um, and, and that I think is, is very indicative of, of the problem is that they, they think all these superficial things that, um, that people cheer in theaters over, they think that's, that's what they were cheering over. And it wasn't, it was, it, that was the payoff. But the heart and soul of it was that the MCU, I, I think I mentioned this during our, our Guardians review a few months ago, the MCU is about heart and it's about heroes. They don't want to see heroes that are these broken shells and, you know, this like form of gray, like, no, what made the MCU cool was that they were just heroes doing heroic things and we love to see it. <laughs> we, you know, the audiences were excited to see Heroes go out and actually be heroes and not these like broken, pathetic shells of characters. Um, and that's and I find it. I find that it's everywhere in the content space mm -hmm. when people are criticizing the MCU since 2019, mm -hmm. the moniker MCU has been there and it's turned into what, what I will say as as a caveat. I feel like it's turned into some woman hating stuff, which I can understand from people that want to see more of that. If you thought that Ray was the best character in star Wars since ever, then I could see how that could bother you. But I felt like it just became disingenuine for everybody. It was that the male characters, you know, Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, you name them that, you know, they, they've taken too much time. They've taken too much of our attention. Let's divert to these strong female characters, Emily Blunt, hates them 
she's she's gone on the record, done interviews. Yeah, where she says, yeah, I, I, I hate, that. <laughs> yeah, I I hate that. it when I see strong female character because it's always masculine. It's always incredibly shrill. Mm-hmm. And it's without emotion, without character. And women don't identify with that. Yeah. And what it's turned into in terms of female characters, and obviously She-Hulk was the biggest one, is it, it right. turned into we're all the victims of men. It's constantly men. It's not just bad people. It's men in general because they find one bad guy and then they're like, y'all, you men are the same. They try and take the worst people and try and say like, you're, you're all one bad day away from turning into that guy. Black Widow as a movie, I thought was a good film. I, I still will say that's probably one of the ones where if it were on TV now, I'd watch it. But towards the end of the movie, when they talk about, you know, what the Red Room is and then, you know, general, uh, you know, token Russian bad guy is like, you know, mind fucking with them and everything. I'm like, oh, now this is turned into, well, it's just men who want to control women. And yeah. we've seen this over and over and over again. That was the point of Echo in, um, in Hawkeye. And, yeah. and you just see it. It's disingenuous. And I don't know if these if these if this fan base of these hermaphroditic androgynous super liberals who don't like the comics but love Disney products and will go see these movies and they just want to see girl boss heroes. I don't think they exist. They certainly don't exist for the comic books. They're a very loud online uh, minority that that dictate (laughs) the way that they write. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean they don't they don't buy com- they don't buy comics. Right. But if they had to choose between an early MCU film and the stuff that's coming out, I really want to know do they genuinely like this shit or do they just feel like they have to support it because it's it's promoting this this Disney agenda. Yeah. Yeah, um and and I think to that point too it, it's it's much I think it's deeper than uh, like I've I've heard the MCU complaints and and things like that, and I think there's well, like you said, you know, it it, it can go too far. I, I've seen things that are kind of like ridiculous, but at the same time, I I do understand the criticisms of that. But it's not just that. Like the first, I I think really failed property um, that we both suffered through together was was the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And the, the, the great crime for that, uh, and I've, I've, I've thought about this a lot since watching that. I was like, what, what was it that was Folks, so... you got to go on Patreon that? and listen. Caleb and I wa- reviewed every episode. I, I, was, I was really trying hard to... That like was a labor show. of love. I was that really trying... Heart. <laughs> I was really trying hard to like this show. And by the end of it, I was like, this was not a good show. And it came down to the fact that I, I think the moment that I realized, either consciously or subconsciously, that this was a turning point for the MCU um, was when they had Sam talk about melting Steve's shield because it somehow represented uh, racial injustice. When this is the same guy that you just saved the universe with, and you have known through, basically since he got dethawed from the ice. After after he got dethawed, you had the Battle of New York, and Sam is that first person that Steve relates with. And you're telling me that, like, Sam, this black man in America, <laughs> and Steve from the 1940s, that Sam is the, the first one that Steve Rogers relates with, and you're telling me that all of a sudden despite no background whatsoever, despite no setup to this whatsoever, that all of a sudden uh, that his, his, his friendship with Steve Rogers is, is just meaningless. And I know that they probably, I mean, you know, the writers would say, well, no, this was about the super soldier serum. Well, that the, the shield was that way at all. The shield was Steve Rogers. Yeah. That that's, that's what the, that's what captain America was. And you can, you can, you can make, complaints about the the super soldiers uh program and everything like that and i think that there were some like strong elements but i think that's part of the problem with the mcu right now is that there are several strong individual elements in all of these 
properties or most of these properties now, but it gets undercut by these themes that belong nowhere in the MCU that, that go back and, and basically spit on the heroes. And even in some instances, the villains that we have come to know and, and really come to, to, to love uh, over the past, over the past decade plus. Uh, and, and they just expect us to accept it and say, well, this is just the way it is now. Yeah. And I mean, there's, there's abiding by source material and then there's taking liberties with it. Uh, uh, the, the winter soldier movie and the comic obviously have differences. There was no, oh, yeah. skull. it was focused on the cosmic cube. There was iron man in it and it didn't have, you know, like a good chunk of the things, but like they had enough of the idea and they were able to integrate it in a way which made sense for the MCU. Yeah. And it is still my favorite. I will watch that movie over and over and over again. Yeah. That was them. It's like we respect source material and we're going to find a way to make it work versus yeah. we don't respect it. We're going to do our own thing. And, and I mean, going back to Falcon and Winter Soldier, apart from Sam, the part that really broke my heart in the film, I'm sorry, in, in the show was – and folks, Caleb and I already – talked about this for hours you gotta go back on patreon <laughs> patreon.com hours for, for this yeah. yeah um isaiah bradley who is the black super soldier who came before captain america and everything i the i the 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 concept the purpose of isaiah bradley is not just to be black man abused black man has justified racial hatred towards white people that's not it is that part of the story of captain america red white and black the the limited series that came out a little bit after young avengers when we learned that patriot is isaiah's grandson a little i wouldn't even say it's much because in the course of the book yes it talks about racial injustice yes it talks about events inspired by real life stuff the tuskegee experiments don't trust your government folks um that's part of it but the thing is is that isaiah is a hero because he chose to basically he, – he basically stopped Hitler from like doing a bunch of evil shit in one, in one big mission he had to do. He basically chose to be a hero despite the fact that his government abused him because he is a heroic person. And Isaiah is not saving black people. Isaiah is saving Americans because he chooses – because at that point in the comic – Captain America is a propaganda figure. They don't actually know that he's like real, real. So he chooses to take this inspiration from this propaganda comic book because they don't know he's real yet. And so a little bit later, and he chooses to take a Captain America moniker and fight bad guys. And eventually years later, he's, he's removed from that when everyone realizes that Captain America, Steve Rogers is real. Like he's a real soldier. He's a real super soldier. And over time, he goes back into public life and sadly he becomes mentally and physically handicapped to the point where he has the emotional maturity of a five-year-old. And at the very end of that story, and we should totally do a, we should totally do a reissued episode talking about Captain America, red, white, and black. It's an amazing series. Um, at the end of it, Steve Rogers goes and discovers who Isaiah is and him and Isaiah basically because they recognize each other they have this connection moment where he doesn't see him as, oh, white Captain America, you're the one they celebrate. It's like, you're Captain America, you're good, you continue to do good, you represent the best of our country, and they embrace each other as soldiers and patriots. And right. it's a beautiful story. And what do they do in the show? They fuck with it and say, no, angry black man, angry black man, Steve Rogers, whites, white is bad. Well, it's it's especially kind of disingenuous because, like, the last time that we had seen anything with Captain America before this project, uh, he was lifting Mjolnir. <laughs> and you're telling me that the, the, the person that you just said was worthy is now a symbol of racial injustice. Like, <laughs> how does that work? Uh, you know, that, that doesn't make any sense. You're, you're, you're completely just spitting on the fact that like this popu this character is popular with a a a group of people that you find politically repulsive and you're trying to insert your own opinions on that and it's coming at the expense of of the actual character and the actual storyline that you spent a decade to build up to like who wasn't cheering in the theater whenever Steve Rogers 
was lifting Mjolnir. It doesn't matter what their political beliefs were. It doesn't matter what their you know racial background was or anything like that. Everyone was on their feet cheering. I remember it very well, and it was an awesome experience. But uh, right now, like they they don't care about any of that. They care much more about advancing a certain uh, ideology or agenda at the expense of of the characters that we have come to know and love for for a decade plus. Do you think? And maybe I'm I'm you know cutting off my nose to spite my face. Do you think it was so much a decision that Marvel would have ultimately gone down, but which is what we've seen? Or do you think it was promoted by the fact that after Iron Man's success, Marvel Studios got bought by Disney? Because I can definitely see that. Disney definitely plays a role into it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Like I I almost feel like you have to take the Disney out, but if you do that, you also take out a lot of really great opportunities that otherwise we wouldn't have had. I think a, a large problem that we have to acknowledge is after the Infinity Saga, uh, for reasons that uh, I think can be perceived as legitimate, um, Kevin, uh, Kevin Feige took a took a step back from from the projects, uh, much more than what he had. Like he had a tight. Did he tight, go over to Star Wars? Well, he just kind of like loosened up his grip, and you know, he started working with Sony more, and 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 you know, the the multiverse saga, I think the temptation to insert all of these pre-existing characters is another problem that uh, the MCU has been plagued with as much as I, I mean, we'll, we'll get into this, but as much as I love to see some of these old characters back, uh, I think that it has opened up more issues than it has, you know, great moments of fan service. So, yeah, I'm almost worried you know, my the the one project I'm like really excited for is Deadpool three because yeah. we're getting Wolverine and so many other things. Yeah, I'll be there. Like I'm I'm going yeah, to like I, I'm gonna yeah. give them my money, but I'll, like I'll you go know. see Hugh Jackman in a yellow suit, like I've always wanted to see. You know, that's that's a no brainer. But mm-hmm. I think that it's kind of a problem because they're using, you know, this fan service in the same way the Star Wars did throughout the sequels. Uh, instead of like trying to come up with an actual story. I think one of the cool things and one of the things that made Spider-Man No Way Home work so well was that they didn't just incorporate Andrew Garfield as, you know, I, I, I love Andrew Garfield uh, and his movies were not great, but he was great. So I, I have no problem with him as Spider-Man specifically. But... Um, they made the wise decision to say, no, we're going to start from scratch instead of trying to incorporate all of this because it, it removed any sort of baggage and you could start from scratch and they're not doing that now. They're constantly, and you know, they can say like, oh, well, it's the multiverse. Well, yeah, but you didn't have like a multiversal Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man. You had Tom Holland. It's like how they handled it in in a Dr. Strange multiverse of madness. Like people knew who Patrick Stewart was enough. Yeah. Professor X was not integral to the story. Right. Whereas if like Deadpool three, you know, they've made it very clear. Like he's going to be essential to the story. I don't think Marvel is going to do like what uh, Andy Bashidi is. I think that's how you pronounce his name. I'm not trying to be antagonistic towards the (laughs) Bashidi fans out there, but like Batman did not serve. Let me be more specific. Michael Keaton did not do, he did not matter in Flash. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, yeah, that, that's yeah, an example of it. will clearly matter in yeah. Deadpool 3. And they're certainly not giving him a, a Nicolas Cage cameo where it's all yeah, CGI yeah. wordless for two seconds. So it's like they're going to try and do this. But, you know, it's like at, at what point, Deadpool 2 was great. Deadpool 1 was great. Deadpool 2 was great. I don't, you know, I, I liked, I liked things being separate and, and I think this mm-hmm. is good. I think, I you too. know, yeah. I, and I'll, I'll let you finish off your mind, your, uh, your process in a second. I don't want to like de- derail it, but like I miss, I think this is what I really miss. I miss solo superhero movies that didn't feel connected. I loved the Fox 
X-Men series. Days of Future. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards future past is still probably my favorite superhero film period i love days of future past i like um i i will even defend superman returns as part of being with the donner series and stuff like that and i mean even even the first couple dceu flicks you know man of steel and stuff like that like they were just really good standalone movies they've lost the art of making good standalone films for their own sake and I say this as a self-proclaimed hypocrite because Multiverse of Madness, which is both in our top five MCU films, is just like franchise crossover spin-off cameo galore. But like those are two different things. I could say I love that movie as entertainment. I would not look at Multiverse of Madness and say that movie is a piece of art. Yeah. That that in terms of quality and everything yeah. is just a completely I would, different I would standards. say that about Guardians 3. Yes. I, I would absolutely say that about Gar- Guardians three. And you know what? Yeah. You know what? The reason why it that movie was so good was because it didn't do exactly what you were <laughs> what you were just describing. It had no connection to anything except basically the last Guardians of the Galaxy movie, and and barely even that. You know, yeah. it was it was so refreshingly independent that it, it was just a, a wonderful, wonderful movie. And I, I think that that was that. I mean, we, we'll get into this in, I, I think, just a, a second, because I have ideas about ways that we could fix. Um, if, if we were if we had the Infinity Gauntlet, like you said, you know how, how we could fix this. But I think Guardians 3 is, is probably the only property I would not touch whatsoever. It was how, it was how much how much leeway wonderful. do you give the directors, though? Because for every James Gunn, we get like a Rachel's Zhao in the Eternals. Well, you know, I, I think. Well, again, this comes back to, to Kevin Feige. There was like a, a time where I would say like in Kevin Feige, I trust because there was nothing that regardless of what I, I would just turn off the news and turn off everyone like frantically saying like, oh, can you believe this and this and say, well, you know what? I trust in Kevin Feige because he's never failed up until like 2019. I would say that. Uh, but after that, it, when he would start to loosen his grip that's when I, whenever I would, I would start to doubt. Um, I think that you bring a director on for a good reason. As long as you have certain guardrails of like, this is what we need to do to advance the story and to advance this universe that we're trying to build. I mean, you know, the Russo brothers had that, had that freedom, but you also have to have people who understand what you're trying to do. So you can't just say like, okay, go make a movie for me. You have to say, okay, go make this movie 
for me. So that way we can achieve this and, and hand the directors that I don't mind giving directors a lot of freedom because I, I think that's where a lot of those really fantastic moments of, of the, the small little moments that only a director uh, in just in the middle of his art form can create. Um, so I, I don't want like a studio monstrosity the way that some of the, some of the worst comic book films are, but at the same time, there has to be some guidance and it can't just be like Taika Waititi going around and, uh, you know, just making whatever he made with Thor, love and thunder. So, yeah. So I'll, I'll just let, I'll just let you go from here. What are the potential completely hypothetical solutions you toss at this? Well, at this point, um, well, I should say this. I don't know if there's necessarily a solution until they ax the multiverse, which I do think that they are working towards um, with Loki and with Kang and stuff like that. But this will, I think, forever be plagued as a disappointing saga uh in in the mcu with a few highlights certainly guardians or wolf by night different things like that but i i think it stems back to we really should have had a break and we really should have uh kind of gotten back to the basics with phase four and one of the things that made phase or the the infinity saga phases one through three work so well was because it was gradual it was intentional. There wasn't like a, a significant uh, buildup very suddenly. It was just like this phase for phase one, we're going to introduce these heroes. There's not really going to be much, if any, crossover. It's just going to be we're going to focus on these heroes. And then so on and so forth until we eventually get to to Avengers uh, Infinity War and Endgame where you can just naturally have all these characters and it doesn't feel out of place. I think the problem was, was that they wanted to jump straight into secret wars right after Endgame, And that was a huge mistake that they should not have done. Um, the phase four, I think should have been an epilogue for the infinity saga and a prologue for the next phase. It, it should almost be like detached from either saga. Um, and I think that that should have been a, like an Avengers disassembled theme throughout phase four. And as they build that, I would honestly, a lot of the properties that they put out, I would just ax. I would, I would not have put out, even if I enjoyed them, even if like what they made was like good in that sense, um, I would either ax or delay it or, completely change it um i feel like marvel got into this idea that everything they touch just turns to gold and it's which because of primarily true, which was because true they followed that that formula and, and, they and it comes down yeah and it, and it comes down to two characters specifically well two sets of properties it comes down to iron man which started mm -hmm. it because that was the big gamble they took not mm -hmm. a b-lister they took a c-list hero yeah like borderline b-list c-list and they made yeah. him into that and then guardians of the galaxy it was those two films where it was like, damn, those they could the really, yeah, yeah. those could really do it. So it's like when they, you know, when, when people protest Echo, the criticism is, well, look at Iron Man and Guardians. That means anyone could do it. It's like Echo no. is nowhere there. Like you can't, you can't say that because it's just, it's not in the same ballpark. And it's not because she's a woman. Mm -hmm. You know, She-Hulk, by all intents and purposes, should have been a hit. Right. She-Hulk. In the same, in the same way hit. that, like, they had success with Guardians, they had success with uh, Iron Man. She-Hulk was, like, uh, basically a legacy character in, yeah. in Marvel Comics. You know, she wasn't a new character that they just came up with. And it should have worked. And it didn't so <laughs> i i also think disney plus is a big uh, a big problem for i i feel uh, like the streaming and maybe this maybe i would say they shouldn't have ever done streaming but at the same time what does that do that eliminates daredevil on netflix and yeah. that stuff so yeah. it's like if they wanted to parse it out I, I i was always of the thought that 
for all the work that they put into a Netflix Daredevil TV show, they should have just made a movie. Mm-hmm. I would say, okay, if I could snap my fingers and get what I want, I, I wouldn't have ever done the Netflix streaming thing because I think that caused a lot of confusion. That caused a lot of problems that we would eventually have between Netflix and and Disney Plus and Hulu and all that. Because people forget, there were also Hulu shows that came out. Nobody sure. knew what, yeah. what, what was going on with those. And ABC I would say, and, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't – I, I would I would take it a step back. I would say if you're gonna have Agents of Shield, ha, you know maybe Agents of Shield is the source of it. Maybe just cut no no TV tie-ins, none of that stuff, and just do movies. Yeah, Agents um, of Shield was gonna be a movie at one point. It was gonna be a Nick Fury focused movie. It's like they should have stuck with what they were good at. They wanted to be in all these different areas. So yeah, no, I would have said just cancel the TV shut the TV stuff, ABC, all that stuff. Don't don't license out characters. It's like the mess that James Gunn incorporate, you know, inherited with all these extra properties all over the place, and he wants to get them all in house. Like I get it. I wouldn't have done TV. Well, they they tried to fix that, you know, whenever Disney Plus came around, and they were like, okay, these these aren't canon basically mm-hmm. anymore. And I was fine with that. I was like, okay, it makes it cleaner, it makes it easier. That's fine. Um, but. I think that they, for some reason, got in their heads that Disney Plus could replace the movies almost, and they could just like introduce these properties that no one cares about at, at like a very high, rapid volume with the same big budget blockbuster, you know, quality in terms of like production value, and people would just continue to eat it up. And it's like, well, no, we, we ate this up for 10 years because you took the time to actually invest in these characters and, and build out their stories and just throwing a TV show on and say, you care about this, right? Well, no, not necessarily. I don't. <laughs> but like, I would honestly, I, I thought starting with WandaVision was a really smart move because it was so refreshing and it was so uniquely made for for a series that I would I would completely keep that, but would I keep Falcon and the Winter Soldier? No. <laughs> uh, even Black Widow, um, you know, on the movie side of, of things, it did nothing to progress. Yeah, it, it, absolutely. Like that's not a value add movie. It was not a value add whatsoever. The entire time, I was like, "This is unimportant." As much as good as it, I thought it was. It was a decent film. Uh, it, it wasn't. It was like it Tomb Raider. Like yeah, it, it wasn't, like, you know, it wasn't uh winter soldier or anything like that. Um, but it was a decent film, but it, it did nothing to advance the, the MCU as a whole. Um, a lot of those films, I would say the first like really spectacular movie that came out post Endgame was, um, no way home. And I, uh, I, I loved Shang-Chi too. Um, and Shang-Chi is a good example of a movie which is predominantly a standalone flick. It is, yes. Shang-Chi was, was a really good movie. Um, I would probably, in my ideal phase four, I would probably not release it uh, in that phase. Um, I wouldn't can it, but I, I would push it back a little bit uh, to, to tie up some of, of these uh, threads before diving into some new ones. Um, maybe introduce, you know, some of his, his characters or some of his lore gradually. But um, I would focus primarily on, on trying to tie up some threads and the movies that we did get, and even the movies that I absolutely adored, like No Way Home, uh, or had a lot of fun with, like Multiverse of Madness. If I were to make those movies, it would look nothing like what they ended up looking like completely different i i was always of the camp and this is going back to 2019 give spider-man back to sony because i i you know my my thing and no way home obviously fixes that but you know this is hindsight spider-man is not a sidekick spider-man is not a person who happens to solve all his problems of technology and that's what i was missing from spider-man by the end of No Way Home, of course, I feel like they course corrected. And um, I think his name was uh, the director, Drew Goddard. Like he obviously wants to take him back to that more classic direction. But I will have been like, you know, if you don't know what to do with him and you're just going to try and throw shit together, like kind of like how they did with uh, 
far from home, which I, I, I'm not a fan of it. Um, give them back to Sony. Yeah. I, I would, I would still, I would still keep Spider-Man the way that we, we did. Cause it made sense. It, and it worked out, but it was like, yeah, I understand. Yeah. The, I understand the criticism, uh, that he had for a while. Um, but I still like, I really love Homecoming. I, I think that's a such a wonderful film. And, and I and I like the Across the Spider-Verse films more than the the last couple of live action ones. I mean it's just yeah. I, I feel like if they're I feel like Spider-Man, I'm more optimistic for that, but I don't see him as like an MCU property at this point. I see them definitely, especially now since they erased everyone's memories, you know, No Way Home, uh One More Day, Brand New Day style. Like we're gonna get more of those types of projects. But you know, I would if 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 I were in charge, I would not have done anything multiverse related. As great as it was to see Willem Dafoe back in action and Tobey Maguire and all of those characters that uh, you know that we grew up with, absolutely loving. Um, I would have done what, as far as I'm aware, it was supposed to be a first a movie with Craven the Hunter as the main villain, um, mm-hmm. and introduce some of these like. MCU organic versions of characters like uh, Norman Osborn or like maybe someone like the Kingpin or someone like that to have a, like you could still basically have the same hits and the same threads that you did with, you know, he's, he's out on his own and he has to learn how to be Spider-Man without all this technology or maybe he even, you know, runs Dr. Strange for some help. You can still do all of that kind of stuff without it being like a big multiversal thing, because I think that they've used the multiverse as so much of a crutch, a plot crutch for so, for, for so much of phase four that it has significantly damaged the, the brand. And, and I think that as great as, as great as they did it in Spider-Man, um, it, it continued to, to damage that in the long run. What do you do about Jonathan Majors? Uh, I would not introduce Kang whatsoever right now. Uh, I would use, I would use phase four as a build up to the, uh, to the dark adventures. Uh, because hmm. if, in a, in a world without the Avengers and a, a, a vacuum fills that naturally leads to, you know, nefarious figures, especially in, in, uh, to pick up some threads that were left over from like the Sokovia Accords and everything, it would make all the sense in the world to me that the governments of the world would compile certain uh, undesirable individuals to fill that void and do what needs to be done, and you have them end up being the villains of of such a movie. And you I could even use some legacy characters as kind of like the plot, uh, pushing the plot forward, like the Hulk. And actually kind of fix his, you know, like, I did not like Smart Hulk, personally. I, I, I want, like, a berserker machine, basically. I want him to, to go and rage and destroy things. Um, I would use him as, as sort of the, the villain, so to speak, of, of a Dark Avengers property where it's like dark Avengers versus world war Hulk or, or incorporate siege. And I think would be awesome to see Thor. They, they seem to be treating the Thunderbolts movie, which people thought would be dark Avengers for a while. They seem to be treating Thunderbolts more like suicide squad. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's a mistake. No. Yeah, it is. It is. And, uh, I, I do not, I mean, suicide squad is, is great. You know, it, it's a great concept. And I, James Gunn obviously did really well with that, with his version. Um, but I think, the right move for the universe that the MCU has built would have been using phase four is this palette cleanser, tie up some threads and then go, uh, go into the dark Avengers. So to kind of wrap things up, here's what I'm getting with everything from the infinity saga stays the same. Mm -hmm. The biggest thing is one, they got to abide more to the source material. Two, you know, as much as we like Shang-Chi, you got to go ahead and maybe stick with more of your core characters. No echoes, no anything like that. Four, leave Daredevil, leave a lot of the Netflix era Marvel characters out non-canon, like what Disney really tried to do. At the same time, ditching the multiverse, no Kang, no any of this stuff. Sorry, Daredevil. Just focusing on 
what the crux of the MCU is. Keep Spider-Man, and in terms of the story, have it lead towards a Dark Avengers confrontation in which you got to get your Trinity. Your now obviously Iron Man's dead, but your core MCU characters who fans have been with for a while to come back and be true heroes again in something inspired kind of like Siege. Is that a good prognosis? For the most part, um, I, I actually I actually would want to try to reintroduce uh, Daredevil into the MCU, but not not in the way that they're they're going about it. New actor, um, new new thing. Um, you know, I would I would even consider keeping uh, Charlie Cox. Uh, I don't I don't think that that was so integrated uh, in the same way that like Fox or you know Sony or things like that, but. I think that Charlie Cox is different than a Hugh Jackman. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and I don't, I don't mind having, you know, the same actors, but it seems like they're indecisive about whether or not they want to make the Netflix show, uh, like an extension of what his story already is or whether or not they just want to completely start from scratch. They're going to fuck it up and piss everyone off. (laughs) Probably. Yeah, Probably. Um, but I would, I would love for, you know, phase four, if it, if it explored some of the street heroes like daredevil more, um, so because there's no reliance anymore on the Avengers, um, I would love it if they really dived hard into the supernatural, like the stuff that they worked that, that worked really well, like werewolf by night, I would keep that. Um, that's probably the other property. I would also use the special presentations much more than shows. Um, I think I think that they've they've done really well with the spe- uh, special presentations. Was well, um, it now? It's it's Werewolf by Night and the Guardians and, and the, the Christmas, Christmas special. special. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think I think those work really well for for Disney Plus. I would I would keep those, and I would honestly do more of it. I think it'd be really cool if you want to do something with, you know, with um, uh, Disney Plus. They kind of did this with Netflix, where they had like the the Avengers style build up, but for much darker characters, yeah. like like with uh, Defenders, Daredevil, Daredevil, and and the Defenders. I would do something maybe similar with that to uh, the Midnight Suns. Yeah, I think that would be really cool. I feel like they wanted to go in that direction, and then at some point they were just like, "Yeah, forget about it." Yeah, that's that's the other problem is that they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're what story they're trying to build up to anymore, other than Kang, which. I think Kang is great, and I, I will I will my my thought on the problems that the that the current MCU has is that one of the biggest things that annoyed the hell out of me was that as soon as Thanos was done, they said, "All right, he wasn't really that cool, right? He wasn't really that uh, that powerful because now we have Kang, and they completely undercut everything that everything that they built up to." in a way that was even worse than the way that they treated like some of the heroes like Iron Man or, or Captain America. Um, because they just showed that like in the grand scheme of the multiverse, he's not really a powerful character. You don't introduce Darth Vader in a TV show. Yeah. And that was my criticism yeah, of exactly. how they did it with he who will not be named in Loki. And then it's like, you don't introduce, you don't introduce Darth Vader in a TV show. You don't introduce Darth Vader in your, least popular characters third movie i think introducing him in ant-man was as kang was stupid you know i mean you don't introduce darth vader in the chewbacca movie (laughs) i also don't think that kang is a darth vader yeah i I think kang is a really cool character but he should not thanos was a darth vader thanos is not a darth vader no he's not and i count dooku at best yeah, well, I mean, like you can have a cool, a cool character, but the fact that they try to show that he's like actually much better than Thanos, just like a year or two after Thanos was they like, haven't, they the haven't like shown it either. They keep they keep having uh, like it's like expositional marketing. They're yeah. telling you instead of actually like proving to you, showing to you, right? And then they have to do that. The cushion, you know fallen expectations they're not even good at that anymore yeah i think that's that's probably the biggest thing i mean i had problems whenever they showed 
Ultron as the Vision just slice Thanos in half. Like that really irritated me. <laughs> but at least so with people. at least with uh, with Ultron, he's an actual like legitimate threat. Uh, if he got to his full potential, I don't think they should have done that. But it's a better case than than Kang. I think. Yeah. I think that um, it would have been awesome to see uh, some sort of conflict to where like the Avengers are fighting Kang and who do they have to bring out to finally defeat him? Thanos. I think that would have been a cool, a cool tie around to show like actually Thanos was the big bad. Like he, he was every bit as dangerous as we portrayed him to be. And I, I think Star Wars at least understands that for as, as much as, you know, as bad as they've gotten with, with, with some of these things, they at least understand that it's like our legacy villain is the villain of villains. And we can't just constantly like do this power creep where I feel like the MCU somehow missed that. Yeah, they, they should they have fallen just, victim of their own aspirations. In many yeah, ways. They, they should not have immediately undercut it. If you were going to make Kang a Thanos level threat, then you should have taken 10 years to build up to that. You should not have just immediately. Actually, he's the big bad now. Yeah. Well, dude, I think this covers a lot. I think we actually do kind of get to uh, an idea and, you know, I, I'd be interested to see what people have to say about this because I, I'm very much on my worst days. I'm very much. They should have just ended it. And part of me is still like, maybe they should just end it after this. Um, but you know, that's not going to happen. Ending it, uh, I don't know if, I don't know if ending it is the right solution or not, or if it was the right solution or not, but I will say that ending it on a high note is always infinitely better than letting it get muddied and having, uh, having, you know, the properties become broken. So I want to say, you know, they were in a dark period and then they fixed it. And that's the, the, the roller coaster of being a fan. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that. Hopefully that that works out. Um, I I don't think this is sustainable. So something will give. I, that much I'm confident of. I hope that it doesn't mean that they just completely stop making movies. I hope that they come to their senses before that they get to that point. But like, I mean, having like the equivalent of as many properties as the entire Infinity Saga in like three years is not good and it's not a way to they you know people want to appreciate and salivate these movies every time that they they come out they want to feel like it's an event every time that it comes out and if like it's worth the money like it's worth the money time yeah. out of the day to go to a movie theater and they want to feel like it matters whenever they watch it um like it's building up to like this epic that the infinity saga was and that's just not what they're doing right now i i any satisfaction that i got over seeing jonathan majors walk out the end of loki as kang and saying like oh man they're doing it this is this is so cool as much as you know as much as which i don't think they necessarily did this in loki i think the greater offenses came later with other properties like what if or um or uh ant-man or you know different things like that but it was exciting uh, whenever Loki came out, because Loki was a good property. And at that time, the only thing that was really a miss was Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Now that can't be said. Now the, they've damaged the IP too much and they, they really need to reevaluate where they're going with this before they, they move forward with anything else. Yeah, Caleb, if anyone wants to argue with you about all of this online, how could they do so? You can uh, DM me and your... <laughs> You're uh, either pro or uh, or antithetical uh, views on Twitter at Caleb Franz. And folks, you can go ahead and also hit up Caleb and all the other supporters of the show by joining our private Facebook group, the Second for Comics Fan Zone. When you join for as little as five smackers a month at patreon.com slash secondprintpod. Thank you once again. We'll be back next week. I know I was going to talk about something big at the end, but I think I'll, I think I'll hold it. I think I'll hold it for just a, just a few more days. As always, thank you one, thank you all, and remember, if you can't do anything, you can do this. You can read comics and change the world. Good night, America.
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.